welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Uh, we're back in Ephesians 5. If you find your place in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, we've been looking at uh, this admonition uh, that begins in chapter 5 and verse 1 to imitators of God first way in which we imitate God, and that is walking in love. He says in verse 1 and 2, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then last week we looked at this longer section from verse 3 through verse 14, at the second part or second way in which we are to imitate God, and that is walking in the light. And uh, we saw three, uh, three things that were emphasized in that passage. First of all, the counterfeit. Uh, Paul speaks of the perversions of sexual immorality in that section and uh, the way of the world and the, uh, particularly the Gentile world of his day, was, um, uh, was, was in darkness. And uh, Paul speaks in the second part of that uh, passage about how that the judgment of God is coming upon uh, those that live in that kind of lifestyle. In other words, judgment is coming to the world. And, and because we as uh, believers are in the light, he, he says we are light in the Lord, we're not to have anything uh, to do with that life and that lifestyle of the world. And, and so he, he reminds us of that and calls us to that um, way of life. Notice verse 5 and 7. He says, Therefore do not become partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I just wanted to, to, to remind you again uh, and review of the two ways in which um, this, this word light is used as a, as a metaphor in the scriptures. Uh, first of all, to symbolize truth, the truth of God that's revealed to us, that's come to us in, in saving faith, uh, that we might respond in saving faith is... Um, the truth in which we are to live. And then secondly, a major way in which light represents God and, and who we are is in holiness. And he says in verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And so as, as believers walking in the light, we are to live out the truth of who God is and the separation from the world and proclaiming the truth, the light that is found in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and so we, we talked about that also in our follow-up time that we started back up last, uh, last Sunday about the difficulty of, um, of living in a world uh, and uh, being light, exposing the darkness, 
talked about some of the practically the need for courage and boldness that we might uh, be able to speak the truth in love. And so it brings us to this third part, third important part that Paul gives us, and that is walking in wisdom. We need wisdom from the Lord that we might be able to follow him and live for him. Uh, Notice in your text there, begin reading in in verse uh, 15. And this morning, we really only have time to get uh, to verse 18. We'll uh, pick back up again uh, later. Notice uh, verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 15, pass down op dat jylle nou gesit bandel, nie as onweise nie, maar as weise. The pursuit of wisdom, apart from God, is considered by God to be foolish. The, the pride of man is what causes him to think that he can find wisdom And at the same time, reject the wisdom that God has revealed to us. He's revealed to us through the creation and also especially through his word. But that's the the reality that we see in our world. We see it all around us. Men who, and women, obviously, who who, um, are intelligent, they're intellectual, and many times the pursuit of knowledge Um, causes people to be proud and arrogant. And uh, it causes them to, in that pride, reject the truth of God. And, And so God makes a contrast between His wisdom, the wisdom that is revealed to us in His Word, and the wisdom of the world. And so we mustn't be surprised when we come into conflict um, with the world over what is wisdom, what is wise, and what is foolish. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is in sight. And so as you go back and look at those, uh, the wisdom literature of uh, Proverbs and, and Psalms and and uh, you'll see in that those writings, uh, this repetition of wisdom, to seek after wisdom and to reject uh, folly and foolishness of the world. We see this contrast most clearly in how people view the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have for you 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, that passage really speaks to this contrast in which the contrast between how we view the preaching of the gospel and how the world views the preaching of the gospel and the message of Christ. Paul asked the question in verse 20, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. In other words, through 
man's own wisdom, he cannot know God. And this, this verse says that it is in the wisdom of God that he made it that way. That man in their pride cannot know God. Man must come in humility to God. Uh, and so he continues, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. In other words, what is viewed as foolishness or folly to the world is what we preach to save those who believe. He says, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those of us who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Well, not only do we live in a world that is in spiritual darkness, but also in moral darkness, it rejects the wisdom of God. It seems the more that man seeks wisdom apart from God, the more foolish uh, he becomes. Psalm 14 verse 1 sums it up like this. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. That's a summary of man without, without God. Uh, he, he seeks uh, wisdom, but he cannot find it. And he foolishly rejects God. Uh, there are who would not claim to be atheists, like this description. They would not claim that there, uh, there is no God. They may be agnostic and say, well, I don't know. But, but there's not that many around us that claim to be atheists, but there are many who are practical atheists. In other words, by the way in which they live, uh, they show that they really don't believe that there is a God, or at least that there's a God who holds them accountable. But as believers, we've been delivered from the darkness, and God has opened our understanding to know Him and to know the things of God. And we as believers then must choose daily to walk with God. And as this passage shows us, we are to walk with Him in love and in light and in wisdom. And when we disregard, disregard God's Word, we walk in, in dark, darkness, we walk foolishly. Uh, notice the contrast of the wisdom from God and the wisdom of the world in James. I'm going to show you this passage also. We looked at it uh, not long ago in uh, Daniel's uh, series in James. In James chapter 3, he asked the, the same question that Paul did, who is wise and understanding among you? Uh, and obviously there's even believers who, in our pursuit of knowing even good things like the Word of God, we, we have to be careful that it's not just the pursuit of knowledge, but that it's a pursuit of God and obeying God. Notice his question, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, 
but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And so it's the warning from Paul in our passage in uh, chapter 5 of Ephesians in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. This, this, uh, to, to obey this command, to walk in wisdom, requires intentionality. Uh, in other words, we must, we must have a purpose to do so. We must intentionally walk. So it doesn't just kind of happen naturally or accidentally that we wake up and realize that we're walking in wisdom. No, it, it requires a purposeful decisions and intentional uh, discipline in our life. Paul uses two words here in this verse to, in the beginning there, to, to talk about this intentionality. First of all, look he is the word blepo, which means to watch out or be on guard. It's, uh, it's a word that carries this warning all by itself. It could have been translated, look carefully. But Paul strengthens the warning with another uh, word, Akribos, which means accurate, or we, we translate it that way, accurate. It's, it speaks of something that's uh, very detailed. It's, um, it's, like the, it's like the fine point pen. It's the very fine point that um, speaks of, a, of the diligence given to, to careful or being careful to be accurate. And, and so you see how Paul's using these two words to, to warn us about the care that's needed, the accuracy is needed in our walk, to walk in wisdom. As a, as a young boy, I enjoyed um, uh, fishing, trout fishing along the mountain streams in North Carolina. And uh, it'd be a lot, it's a lot of fun, even if you didn't catch fish, uh, to uh, walk along those streams across the rocks and everything. But you did have to be careful walking on rocks when they're wet, right? I mean, sometimes there'd be plenty of, of grip and traction. Then other times they would be just slick as they could be. And uh, you could easily uh, find yourself wet if, uh, if you didn't walk carefully. We, one time we were, a uh, man was, uh, my dad <clears throat> took me off in uh, trout fishing. And one time this man was with us. And he, and he had these big high chest waders, you know, come up here wading in the, in the mountain streams. And it was on a, a rather fast current, the big pool down below the rocks. And uh, he took a wrong step and just like that, he was in the water. And uh, those big waders on, they filled up just immediately. And he just went like a rock to the bottom. And uh, I thought he was going to drown. He's come up. Coughing and gasping, uh, it's pretty, a pretty serious misstep. And so it is with the believer. We have to be careful with how we walk. There must be intentionality in our daily living if we're going to follow Christ in wisdom. 
It's, it's the major lesson of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, you remember. Those of you that and, and remember his um, uh, analogy of the believer's walk and, and the need to be careful. And that story is filled with illustrations of, of the need to stay on the path, to not veer off or to, to not get distracted by the world and uh, to find yourself in trouble because you got off the path, the, the, the way in which we are to be walking. Well, we should stop here and ask the, the question, are you being intentional to walk in wisdom? Well, by the fact that you're here this morning, but at least in part indicate that, yes, you are being intentional to be around God's people, to hear God's word. But, but Sunday's not enough. Sunday morning is not enough. There, this is, must be something that's part of our life every day. This desire, this intentionality, uh, this diligence, it, it must govern our life as we walk with the Lord. Paul ex- explains further in verse 16 where he says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And uh, if you, if you, you have O King James or even the O for Talling, uh, you, you get a, a literal translation of re- redeem the time or redeeming the time. Quoptitate eight, the O for Talling see. And it's, it's, it's the direct translation from this word ex agarazzo. That's a, that's a great word to say, ex agarazzo. The, um, the agora was the marketplace. In the marketplace, slaves were sold. And this word speaks of purchasing or buying someone out of the market, out of bondage, out of the slavery in the market. And it's used to speak of our salvation because the, the, the payment that Christ made on the cross delivered us, it purchased us out of, the, out of our sin, out of, out of that bondage to sin and death. And so we have this imagery of uh, being purchasing or buying out time. He says the days in which we live are evil. The days are evil. And so he's referring back to this previous description of the Gentiles' way of life and, and sexual immorality. And if he goes all the way back into the chapter 4, verse 17, you pick that up again. We live in these evil days. And it shouldn't surprise us that uh, the world stands in opposition to the truth of God's Word. Uh, and so we're called to, to buy the time or buy the time out of this darkness out of these uh, the nature of the days. Uh, notice also in, in 2 Timothy, I'll just read for you there a passage that will probably sound familiar to you. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 4. There he says, but uh, writing to Timothy, he says, but understand this, that the days, uh, sorry, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Uh, the last days is really the, 
spans this, this whole age of the church in which we're living, but especially as the time of Christ's return draws near the last days. And so the expectation is that things are not going to get better and better until Christ comes, but things are going to get worse and worse until Christ comes. I'm talking about in the world. Uh, and so he says, for people will be lovers of self. And I just have to stop there and interject. We're being told today that unless you love yourself, then, then you're somehow not healthy uh, mentally or emotionally. But the opposite is true, that we are to love the Lord first and foremost, and then that takes care of everything else. We have a proper perspective on others and self if we put the Lord first, if we love Him. Uh, he goes on to say, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, un, uh, unappeasable, uh, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. These are the, the, the days or the time which we're living. And Paul admonishes us to, to redeem it or deliver it by walking with the Lord in wisdom. Uh, walk in wisdom is a life that impacts the word, uh, sorry, impacts the world with the word of God, the gospel the Lord Jesus Christ. And he connects that to what he, what he said in verse 12, as we're told there to expose the deeds of darkness. Let me give you another uh, passage, uh, really a parallel in many ways, in Colossians chapter 4. This, um, this letter was written at the same time by Paul to the church at Colossae. Probably, I mean, believe the letters were probably sent out at the same time all in prison. He says there, walk in wisdom, Colossians 4, verse 5, walk in wisdom towards, toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. That's the exact same phrase that he used uh, there in, in uh, Ephesians 5. Redeem the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so you can see here his, his thinking of living uh, in the world, uh, but walking in wisdom in such a way that uh, we impact the lost around us. We redeem the time that we have to live for the Lord in this world. So walking, walking with the Lord in wisdom then is intentional. It's full of purpose uh, to, to make the, the most of the the time or the opportunities that we have, you know, we, we naturally have this tendency to think that there's always tomorrow. The joke that tomorrow is always a good time to do something. <laughs> well, that's the way we've, we kind of feel that way. Well, I'll just I'll do it another time. But we really don't have promise of tomorrow, do we? We're warned to, to live uh, today as if tomorrow we're going to be with the Lord. And so we have opportunity. Let us use it. Let us make use of it for the Lord. So let us walk in wisdom. 
verse 17 reinforces uh, this admonition. He's, uh, verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Because the days are evil, he says, don't be foolish. It's a, it's a stronger word than the, what was used in verse 15, the unwise. But really, it's a, it's a repetition of the same warning. Uh, foolishness here is literally without reason or, or without understanding. Uh, one author described it this way, the lack of common sense perception of the reality of things, both natural and spiritual. But Paul's really here focusing on our spiritual perception of things, the, the biblical wisdom, knowing the will of the Lord. It's the, it's the same thought earlier there in verse 10 where he said, uh, verse 9, that we're to, or verse 8, we're to walk in the light. And then verse 10 he says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Well, let's say, how can we walk in wisdom? How... How can we have this wisdom? Well, obviously the Word of God reveals to us the will of the Lord. As seen in this letter, we studied these first three chapters over a rather long period of time. They taught us about the greatness of God and our salvation. We're lifted up to the heavenly places. We're given this perspective from God's vantage point of of what he's doing and has done. But wisdom is more than knowledge. It's more than just knowing these things. We, we also have this second half of this letter where we're told and admonished to, to walk according to who we are in Christ. And so we must have knowledge, but we, all, we must also act upon that knowledge and this is the wisdom, and its source is in the Lord. Wisdom begins with God, and if we are to continue in wisdom, we must continue daily walking in fellowship with Him. Well, Paul brings uh, this final contrast in verse 18. You look there, uh, it's, um, it's really a contrast, and it's also a transition to this next longer section. It goes all the way through to chapter 6 and verse 9. And it's a contrast between debauchery, the lifestyle of the world, and a spirit-filled living. Notice verse 18, he says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, Lord willing, we're going to come back to this verse in the, in the next message, but I want you to see the contrast that he makes here between uh, these two lifestyles. He, the, one, the one on the one hand is the foolishness of drunkenness, the life of debauchery. And, and it was a lifestyle that was common in Paul's day, and it was a uh, part and partial of the sexual immorality lifestyle that he was describing, the, the Gentile, uh, the pagan worship, uh, all of that was associated with the, with the drinking, 
the drunkenness and the immorality of, of their, their lives. And so that's what that Paul says. That's, the, that's on the one hand. That's obviously waste, foolishness. Have you ever looked at someone who's in addictions, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, and, and you have to think, what a waste. What could have been, what could be. And so Paul's, Paul's painting a picture for us here. This is the life on the one hand. This is the world. This is the foolishness of the world. But then on the other hand, he says, this is a spirit-filled life. A life that's been uh, purchased out of that, that way of living. It's been redeemed. It's, it's been given life. It's brought into this, the kingdom of light. And it is a life that is able by God's grace to walk with Him. To have the indwelling Spirit of God in us and controlling us in the sense that we yield, we yield our will, we, we humbly uh, live our lives with the dependency upon Him, a spirit-filled life. It's, it's really a fitting summary of, of what Paul has been, been saying to us about imitating God, this walk with God. It's a, it's a walk in love, it's a walk in light, and it's a walk in wisdom. We live in a day uh, of knowledge. Uh, we have access to knowledge in our time that's greater than ever before. And even in our, even in our life, lifetimes, uh, there's been an explosion of knowledge. But at the same time, I think it's safe to say that there's been a, a decrease in wisdom. If you look at how people are living their lives, you realize that even though they know a lot, they have access to all this information, they are not able to, to live life in a wise way, in a healthy way, uh, and especially in a way that honors God. And so as believers who have been given uh, every spiritual blessing, let us walk in the wisdom of the Lord a life that is pleasing to Him. Notice Paul's prayer in Colossians. I want to, I want to um, close with this. Uh, Paul's prayer for them, and it's really a, it's really a fitting prayer that we'd be praying for each other, for ourselves. He says in Colossians one verse nine, and so from the day we heard, and in context there he's talking about his hearing of their faith in Christ and their love for each other. And he says, since we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Uh, that's, what, that's God's heart for us, his desire for us. The way that we're filled with this knowledge is being filled with him. Uh, and that's not some mystical kind of an experience. It is a day-by-day day walking in obedience to Him, allowing Him to fill our minds and our hearts so, so that our walk is a reflection of what the Lord is doing in our heart, in our life. And He calls us to, 
to know Him in that way, to walk with Him in that way. And so, by God's grace and, and enablement, we can. We can do that. It's a, it's a step. It's a walk, step by step. And I think Paul is intentionally, by the inspiration of God, used this analogy of a walk. He, he, he's not saying leap. <laughs> he, he's not calling on some supernatural kind of, uh, you know, humanly impossible um, feat of athleticism, but no, a walk. A day by day, walk with Him, which on the spiritual level is supernatural. Because the walk that He's admonishing us to walk is imitating God. It's following Him. Uh, in love, uh, sounds doesn't sound too difficult until you understand what he's asking, what he's commanding. It's the love the way he loved, uh, following him in the light, in holiness, in a, in a dark world, and walking in wisdom, something that the world doesn't have, something that doesn't come natural. It's the wisdom of God. And we can walk with Him in this way. We can follow Him in this way because we have His Word, which we're to, to, to be filled with His Word, and we have His Spirit that indwells us, who lives in us, and we are to be filled or, or in the sense of being yielded fully to Him. And so this is the admonition from His Word uh, may we walk in it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for these truths this morning. And Lord, we acknowledge that we are weak. We need your help. We need your grace. We need your strength. And we know, Father, that you've said that if we would ask, then you will give. And so, Father, as we humbly come before you, we ask for your wisdom that we day by day might know how to live in uh, this lost world, live in such a way that we're walking in the light, and that we're exposing the darkness around us. Give us grace. We might know how to answer people that seize our life and they question why we don't do that or why don't you do this. Lord, we, we need uh, we need that wisdom. It comes from you. It's available to us. And so, Father, we, we humbly ask for your guidance and your strength and for your wisdom would fill our hearts and minds that we might follow you in such a way, Father, that uh, you'd be pleased. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh
your stand. 